Welcome to the Change Group Podcast, where we strive to have conversations each month that will help you as a leader to move your church forward toward healthy, lasting change. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Change Group Podcast, where we strive to have conversations every month that help you as a leader move your church forward toward healthy and lasting change. Um, We're so glad that you're joining us today. If you're a leader and you're listening today, we just want to encourage you. Driving change is one of the hardest, most valuable things for an organization, Uh, but we're so glad that you're up to the challenge, and we're so glad that you've joined us today. Um, I'm Pastor Nicole Schreiber. I lead pastor in Erie, Pennsylvania, Erie First Assembly of God, and um, I have a special guest with me today, uh, Pastor Preston Tippin uh, up in uh, Nor- Northridge Church. I'm, I'm, I'm butchering it. Tell me what, what you do. <laughs> oh, no, it's cool. We are in the middle of Wisconsin. We have cows all around us, multiple cheese factories uh, in Marshfield, Wisconsin, and I'm uh, the lead pastor uh, at Northridge Church. Awesome. And uh, Preston and I actually have known each other for a little while. <laughs> uh, we a actually, long while. Since we were about eight years old, uh, we grew up together. Right. And so it's been such a privilege um, for both of us to watch what God has done um, in our lives. Surprised us probably, huh, Preston? We, we probably wouldn't uh, imagine this conversation. <laughs> but I am so thankful that you're here. Thank you so much for uh, just taking some time to talk with us today. Um, will you just give us a brief history of your church, maybe your journey? And, um, you know, you said you're lead pastor now, but did you start that way? And maybe just walk us through kind of that um, journey. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have been in Marshfield uh, since 2007. Uh, we we originally came. Uh, I was the, ch- uh, the children's pastor. Um, quickly realized that uh, I don't just have a passion for children's ministry, but also um, really enjoy numbers, finances, uh, decision-making behind the scenes type of stuff. And so since 2007, uh, I've really been involved in almost everything except for worship ministry. Uh, I don't sing, I don't play music, <laughs> uh, but everything else I've had my hands in, uh, and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, we've, uh, been a part of the church for, like I said, 15 years, but been the lead role, um, just for the last six. Uh, I was the guy who came and said, I will never be a lead pastor ever. I will do anything but that. Um, however, uh, God has a great sense of humor and said, I need you to do this. And uh, just trying to be obedient, have seen God's faithfulness uh, growing not only our church, but also my leadership uh, along the way. Yeah, that's awesome. And have you, um, has the church always been healthy since you got there from every role? Or was, was there a level of sort of rebuilding or revitalizing um, at, at any point? Yeah, um, the church has actually been fairly healthy. Um, we've seen really steady growth since I got here. Um, I've been, I helped transition uh, two lead pastors uh, out um, with the third one being uh, myself. And I was always kind of the glue uh, within that transition. Um, but we never, I mean, probably the, the most unhealthy thing that we went through was redefining our uh, mission back in 2010. Uh, and then honestly, just try to walk through COVID. Like, how do we continue to uh, love and help people? Um, as I was getting ready for this, just talking with uh, you, Pastor Nicole, is, is thinking like, uh, no matter you, if you think you're in revitalization or not, coming out of COVID, every church is revitalizing yeah. something somehow. Mm-hmm. And so 
whether you think you're unhealthy or healthy or not, there is this opportunity of revitalization that we have to look at and say, the needs are different, um, but the message can still be the same. Yeah, so good. Um, so you recently went through a, a building project, right? And so we're going to yeah. kind of get to the end of the story here as we walk through, but um, maybe start where it all began. What were some indicators um, that you needed to start thinking about expanding your space? Maybe for those listening that um, they are experiencing growth or health and um, they're wondering, like, is it time, you know, to do something? Were there certain things that made you think, okay, we need to really process whether we should expand or renovate our space? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I was under the impression that we would never have to expand. Um, we will just, uh, we'll just add services. We'll just add feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, and what was happening was that we were finding on a, on a Sunday morning first, things were exciting because everything was full. We actually added a third service uh, in Sunday evenings mm -hmm. and, and that was starting to fill up. The problem that we were finding is that even though people would come and were excited that it was full, um, the mindset was there's no room for me. Like mm. there's, there's room to be excited. And so people, we would, we would hit like our max, like over 80% uh, within the adult classrooms. We were always running almost 90, 95% in our children's rooms. Wow. And that was really what became the limitation was realized we needed more children's space. Mm. Um, and then it was actually brought to me. I didn't even realize this. Uh, at first, it was it was thrown my way. Is during the week, we were facing space limitations. Uh, so we would run children's and youth programs, but on different nights, and they were using every square inch of the building. So we couldn't do like a a men's group or a women's group while our children's ministry was happening. They were using every space for small groups and and moving things around. And so that was the, really the tipping point for us to go. Okay, we need to look to expand. Uh, we were feeling the bottlenecks in our building. So like our hallways were not big enough. You know, we're, mm. we were going down six foot wide children's hallways and that's hard when you're trying to shove a lot of people down through there. And so people were like, Ooh, it's exciting. There's a lot of people, but again, the mindset was, but there's no room for me. Mm. Um, you know, our, our newcomers, uh, class and the ones that we really want people to like grab a hold of this is what the church is at. They were meeting in the basement and it's never fun to put people in the basement. <laughs> Right. Right. Especially newcomers. Yeah. yeah. That's yes. gotta be. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you, so you kind of, you, maybe your staff or council or other people were mentioning, okay, like we're getting really full. Um, and so was it uh, kind of, I, I guess I think of this word buy-in, you know, so maybe you had this sure. dream in your mind or, okay, Hey, we need to expand or do something different. What was sort of your next step, maybe is there an order um, to think about when we're talking about kind of casting this vision to people? Yeah, uh, casting the vision actually was fairly easy um, because everyone, everyone felt it. Everyone felt the crunch. And so when I would mention it to uh, our board, um, I mean, our staff were constantly telling me about, hey, like we had to shut down the nursery this week. There literally was no room. Like it was unsafe for put, to put any more babies in there. Oh, wow. um, so the people felt that. So the buy-in was actually really easy. When, you know, when I remember first announced it to the congregation, hey, we're engaging a firm to help us understand 
how to grow, how to expand. Everyone's like, oh, finally. Like, it was like, Pastor, you finally get it. Like, we, <laughs> we've been wanting this forever. Um, hmm. The biggest decision actually wasn't should we expand our facilities? It was do we build brand new or do we hmm. add an addition? Um, our current space uh, had went through pro five previous additions or remodels. So, like, the one we just finished was our sixth addition slash remodel. Um, and so uh, buy-in was actually really easy. Uh, the process for us was just let people kind of feel it. Um, what we had done is we really, by going to three services and by uh, getting creative with having small groups meeting uh, just off campus, like at a, uh, we were using two businesses that were literally within three minutes using their space in the evenings. What we ended up doing is we, we maxed out our staff and volunteers before we maxed out our space. Um, that's not really a long-term strategy, but we knew we could run, uh, we could run a little bit heavier on our leading on our staff and volunteers by doing multiple services and multiple nights a week, um, for, for groups and stuff. And by doing that, it helped us see that we actually had real growth and not just flash in the pan growth. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you get an excitement and everyone comes and they're real excited and you get ready to build and everyone leaves. Mm -hmm. Um, by maxing out staff and volunteers before we maxed out our space, it kind of allowed us to uh, figure out, like, are, are we really going to need this? Yeah. And we realized that we definitely do and definitely did. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And so uh, you kind of said, okay, everyone sees it. And then what was your first uh, communication to the congregation? You know, kind of how did you roll out? Obviously, you're having conversations with your leadership, you know, that sort of thing. And then did you have like a vision night or was it in the bulletin or, you know what I mean? What was the practical side of that? Yeah. I mean, well, I think one of the smartest things we did was hire a firm that knew what it was to, to bring change through okay. a building. Um, and so we, when we knew we needed to build, uh, we interviewed a bunch of different architecture firms. Um, and the one we ended up going with actually came in and did a needs assessment. And so before the congregation even knew what we were doing, we had engaged this firm who helped us gather our key leaders. And they asked us a bunch of questions. And then they went through an assessment of what our needs were before they drew any pictures, um, which for me, from a practical standpoint, was super nice because they could have thrown a picture at me and I'd have been like, great. I'm not right. super creative. I wouldn't understood it. I would have been like, why are we doing this? And they went through and said, okay, here's your needs. And a lot of them, we were like, oh, we didn't even realize that was a need. We realized that it could be a need, but that was actually higher when you asked our key volunteers, our, our leaders, and we weren't in the room when they were asking these questions. So it was really, uh, really helpful for us. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like the soft opening. Um, that helped get some deep buy-in from people who saw a need, but now they realized they were a part of the solution. Mm -hmm. And so once we went through that, the, the really the rollouts the the whole congregation came when we uh, started the actual capital campaign um, when we said like hey here's what this is going to look like they had heard uh, just because it was leaking out that we were engaging architects that we were looking at doing this uh, but the congregation at large didn't know what it was going to look like or what was going to happen okay. until we said hey here's our capital campaign mm. um, which was not just to raise money um, but our, our theme was to reach and to reach higher for more of Jesus mm -hmm to reach wider for more of our, our community, our wingspan, those who we need to influence and reach deeper within ourselves so that we can pour out the prayers and resources to reach 
higher and wider. Yeah. And huh. that was uh, that was kind of a, a shifting point for our church to realize that we're not just throwing money at something. Yeah. Um, we're actually doing this because we want to see maximum kingdom impact. That's good. So really connecting vision with the project versus like just we don't have enough space. Now we're building this out. <laughs> not, not, now that practically was happening, but there was more to kind of the back, the background of that. And do you feel like this Absolutely. company that you partnered with really helped you form? Like, were they a key part of helping you form kind of all that language and, and that sort of thing? Uh, so we did two. Um, we had one was our kind of needs assessment, their architects, and they did a great job of showing us what we actually needed okay. moving forward. The actual vision casting um, came from a, a different company uh, that helped us walk through the capital campaign. Okay. And, awesome. you know, we, again, we paid them to be able to do that, but I was, I've never done this before. Yeah. Um, people on our, on our board had never really walked through this big of a project before. And so again, going after the people who had the expertise uh, was key to helping myself, our leadership team, our staff and our elders really understand how do we cast this vision? Because you're right. People don't give money to brick and mortar. They shouldn't. They give it to vision. That's good. And so we need to be able to cast the vision of what the brick and mortar church is going to be for the people, the church. Yeah, that's so good. Give us like a rough timeline. Uh, so if someone's like listening right now and they're thinking, okay, we need to expand. We're, we're full. We're using all our space, you know? Um, I mean, is this like, uh, once you, you know, you kind of gave us a lot of steps. So what was the timeline be behind kind of the moment you made the decision? Yes, we're doing this to like breaking ground, <laughs> you know, and I know sure. it'd be different for everybody, but how much lead time uh, would you say you guys had before you actually did that? Yeah, it, it definitely differs depending on your environment and what's going on. Um, we did this right in the middle of COVID. So I don't necessarily would recommend that. However, yeah. <laughs> uh, man, God was super faithful through it. So we, we went to three services and we did that for, we did that for a year and a half before we actually launched the capital campaign. Okay. But it was probably about six months into doing three weekend services that we realized, oh, this is for real. Like we, we actually have to expand. Um, yeah. There's no way around this and we can't just expand the adult space or the kids space we need to enlarge the entire footprint for all ages and so that took about we did about nine months of just thinking this won't be it this won't be it um, because after six months we realized we needed to mm. it took three months to realize like okay we need to engage real uh firms to help us do this and then we started the actual vision casting uh, meeting with a needs assessment. And that probably took a good six months before we rolled it out to the congregation. Yeah, so after we started our capital campaign, uh, things started off really, really well. Uh, four months later, March 2020, COVID hits. Mm. Everything gets shut down. All these questions are being asked. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I really felt uh, and had support from our board and our leadership that even though we had no idea how COVID was going to impact what was going to happen, when we walked through it, there was still was going to be a need for people to be together, to know Jesus and be in a community. And so we really never, never paused the process. Mm. And so 
through, so from the start of the capital campaign, it was nine months until we actually broke ground. And so okay. COVID hits in March of 2020, we broke ground in August of 2020. And all I can say is the grace of God. <laughs> yeah. We went, we broke ground in August. We moved in July 4th. Wow. And so wow. in 10 months, you know, expanded, put 10,000 square feet uh, additional space into our, our, our building. That's and amazing. We just did and went through Easter and needed it absolutely needed it. Like awesome. afterwards, we were saying like, wow, we're glad that we expanded when we did because we needed this space in order to serve and uh, engage our community this Easter. That's wonderful. That's awesome to see um, God's perfect timing, isn't it? You know, even when we, yes. <laughs> COVID doesn't feel, didn't feel like it was anything good, but I think the Lord used it in all kinds of redemptive ways. Um, so what are some things that you learned kind of in the process. You shared a little bit about, you know, some of it, but I don't know if you had sure. any warnings or encouragements, um, maybe moments as a leader that you felt a certain way. And, and maybe if people who are listening are going to engage in a building project, you know, I don't know, what are some things you could say to them now that you're pretty much on the other side <laughs> of it, <laughs> um, you know, to encourage them or, or just even lovingly warn them of, you know, that sort of thing. Sure. Sure. Um, it's not as bad as you think it will be. Uh, start there. Um, I, I think a real big thing that was given, advice that was given to me is there is the, the three-legged stool that's really important. Uh, the architect, the builder, and the owner. And the three of them have to be on the same page. Uh, the only time we ran into issues and snafus is when one or the other was not on the same page. And so that was, I think, really key. I, we really we loved our builders. We loved our architects and falling in a sense in love with them before we did any business was really important. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was told was that everyone wants it to be the building to be cheap on time and high quality. And I was told very early on, you get two out of the three. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. You pick the two. Yeah. And that was kind of intimidating. That was kind of tough. And I would have to say that uh, at times throughout the project, we, we, we never had all three, but we had different twos at different stages. Okay. Uh, and it just, just going back, that helped me. And so if someone's listening, wondering like, well, I want all three. You're never going to get all three, but you can do really well with two. And so do your best at times to get those two. That's really good. That's really helpful. Um, yeah, and, and I think as people, you know, are kind of listening and uh, looking to make decisions, you know, and kind of get um, expanding, uh, I'm excited and encouraged by some of the really practical things that you mentioned, you know, to, to look into outside organizations, to make sure you're communicating yeah. the need, uh, having vision be really uh, part of that um, conversation from the get-go, you know. Um, any other advice you would give to a pastor listening that is thinking about maybe expanding uh, or anything we just didn't, didn't cover today? Yeah. A um, couple things that we learned along the way. Um, ex expect your staff to act like Jesus' disciples. Okay. Uh, they are going to want their areas to be the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, most will only, even though, if, even if you have the best staff, 
who see things from a big picture, they're only going to vie for their areas because they are the ones working in those areas and they want the best. And so we had to do a lot of dreaming for the best, um, but then had to lessen the areas because we wanted high quality, we wanted on time. And so what we were going to not have is cheap, but then we needed it to be cheap. And so we needed to cut some areas. And I just remember being so, it was so hard. People would take it personally when I would say, hey guys, we need to cut this out of, you know, the music area, you know, and just our, our worship pastor being just, just hurt personally by that. And so that was just something I think if I would have known that walking in, maybe would have handled it a little bit differently. Maybe we would have set that up a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, also, do not be the project manager if you are the lead pastor. Have a liaison that somehow is between you and the, the builder. Um, we had a retired guy who's just very detail oriented and he volunteered. Um, but I know I've, I've had friends who actually paid someone in their congregation to kind of be that liaison because you still need the pastor. You right. just need someone in between that. And then the last, last advice I would give is um, if it's possible, plan a vacation or a sabbatical right after the building's finished. Wow. Um, the, the stat is about 20% of pastors who complete a major remodel or building project leave within two years. Really? Uh, they just are so toasted. And so we took a sabbatical a month and a half after we opened the building. Um, and it was so good to be able to lay the manager hat down afterwards so even if you're not you have a liaison and you're not the quote-unquote project manager as the leader you're going to be thrust into that and it's it's going to be more than you think and so take some time to lay that down so you can come back revitalized as the lead pastor the leader that's great advice yeah that's really good thank you so much well thank you um pastor for just being with me today uh before we close up would you mind just praying um for those that are listening um many of them are revitalizing a church uh, whether they're you know starting with 10 people or 100 people but they're kind of re uh breathing life into these situations and so um would you mind just praying for those that are listening today and then i'll close up i'd love to yeah all right father god we come before you understanding uh, that the church uh, is not brick and mortar. Um, it is your people um, who you ask us to, to faithfully steward, to love, to lead, to shepherd. And so Jesus, I pray that every single person uh, who's needing to revitalize, uh, who's wanting to see um, growth uh, and health within their church, within their community, Lord, I pray that you would give them wisdom, give them patience, Lord, show them your vision to be able to walk that out. Give them grace with their staff, their volunteer teams, their leadership, Lord, and help uh, provide opportunities and make the right decisions in the right time because they're following after you. So, Jesus, I thank you that you give us uh, bountiful amounts of grace uh, within our leadership. Uh, and I pray that over all leaders listening and desiring to see you move in their community. So, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for being with us, Pastor Preston. And thank you for joining us today. Um, I want to encourage you to visit our website to get all the details and information about the change group. Uh, We have lots of great resources and places to connect. And so that would be at www.thechangegroup.org. Next month, we'll be back with another valuable conversation. I really hope you can join us. 
Um, have an incredible day and we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks for joining us for this month's podcast. If you'd like more resources or to learn more about The Change Group, you can visit us at thechangegroup.org. Next month, we'll be back with another valuable conversation and we hope you can join us.